I know my sheep, and mine know me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Simon Peter declares, we must obey God rather than men. We must listen to God. We must learn from God. We must obey God. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5. In the book of Revelation, chapter 5, John hears the voices of many angels. Moreover, hears every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, everything in the universe. They listen. They discern. They recognize. In this beautiful 21st chapter of St. John's Gospel, St. Peter and St. John listen to each other and recognize the Lord. It's St. John who declares, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he didn't say, are you sure? He didn't say, I need to, I need to, I need to decide for myself. He tucked in his garment, jumped in the sea, and went immediately to Jesus. These apostles have gone to Galilee. They listen to each other. They trust each other. They're not quite ready to go back to Jerusalem. Pentecost is still a few weeks off. But they've gone to Galilee. They listened to the voice of the holy women. They listened to each other. Ultimately, they listened to the Lord Himself. And they recognize Him. Our Lord is still the Good Shepherd. He is still seeking them out. Now He encounters them where He told them they would find Him in Galilee. And yet still is coming to them, coming into their presence. At first they don't recognize Him. He's a man at the shore of the sea. And even this unrecognized man who says, cast your net over to the right, they listen to Him. Like men of wisdom, they, they listen. They're willing to try. They're willing to learn. And in so doing, they realize that's the voice of God. This is described as the third time our Lord appeared to the disciples. And as vultures of accuracy, we recount how many times he encountered, well, Mary Magdalene and St. Peter, and then the two on the road to Emmaus, and then all the apostles, all on Easter Sunday, 
and then again a week later to the apostles with St. Thomas, and now I'm at more than three fingers. But as a group of apostles, Easter Sunday, a week later, and now. And yet, he's not treating them as mere faceless members of a group. How does the Good Shepherd describe what he does? Mark 8, Matthew 18, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one? There are many single lost sheep. He treats all of us as an individual lost sheep worth leaving everything behind to go and find. We are all that one sheep. And so within this group, who's the one that especially needs to be shored up? The one whom at the Last Supper was told would be sifted through, but then strengthened to confirm the brethren, St. Peter himself. The Lord treats all of us as that one dear, beloved sheep. The papal exhortation that was published two days ago, fortunately I had a few extra days to read as of Wednesday evening, began to peruse it, admittedly focusing on the sections that begged for further explanation. It's very clear. The Holy Father says many, many times, the teaching of the church doesn't change. The teaching of the church is the same. It needs to be applied to each individual as their circumstances dictate. Or in other words, be Catholic and don't be a jerk. Matthew 18 continues this lesson about the Good Shepherd seeking out the one, leaving behind the 99, is immediately followed. Verse 14, 15. He reminds them, the Lord doesn't want any one soul lost. And so you, if your brother sins against you, you go tell him his fault between you and him alone. As an individual, in private, with respect. Now, if he rejects you, then you, you know, you bring him to a larger group. If he rejects them, you bring him to the church. But it begins as an individual encounter. Paying attention to this person, their circumstance, their goodwill, their, their ignorance, their knowledge, their, the pressures on them. Conversions don't happen because people read something in the bulletin. Conversions don't even usually happen because of a homily. They can plant the seeds. Conversions happen when somebody has an experience. And that's always personal. 
Now, there's a nefarious notion going around that never before have orthodoxy and kindness gone hand in hand. Uh, that's an indictment of every saint that's ever been canonized. That's obviously absurd. When someone who's divorced and remarried finds their way into a confessional booth, it's not as though Father and I pull out the rocks to start pounding them. No, we try to find out how, how open are they to conversion? How much conversion have they been attempting already? Obviously, they're in the confessional. That shows a great deal. Openness, desire. Perhaps the firm purpose of amendment has already happened, but perhaps not. And in a very gentle way, it's awkward and delicate because it's an irrepeatable conversation, usually behind a screen. Try to find out, is the life of chastity something that's possible right now? If so, it is entirely feasible to give this person the sacraments. That's what every good priest has always done. So when your, when your neighbors or colleagues or the voices on all the faux news broadcasts try to tell you that this is a brand new era in the history of the church, this is a breakthrough, it's nonsense. The faith is always presented to this person. And if this person can repent and live up to what it means to be in the state of grace, in communion with our Lord, then the externals of their life might seem awry. But in these circumstances about which most of us are speaking, if they can be continent, if they can live chastity, in a way which is credible, and not just maybe today, but they intend to. They intend to remain faithful to a life of chastity. Then of course they're not in a state of mortal sin. This is a message not just to reassure you, but a message because the, the experience of conversion is personal. The people who are divorced and remarried are usually talking to you not usually talking to me. It's after they talk to you that they might have the courage to talk to me. And so the Lord doesn't simply want us to get out of the way and just have this mystical individual experience with every soul. He's the only one who's going after the lost sheep. No, Matthew 18 makes it very clear. You're all involved in rescuing the lost. Every single one of us. Because we don't want anyone lost. We want everyone to go to heaven. We know God gives everyone sufficient grace. That's the good news. It's for everyone. And it's for each of us. I know my sheep, and mine know me. The Lord knows who needs what grace. He needs us to recognize His voice and to lead others to recognize Him.
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.